Hello, Yogi. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko, and on this show, we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. And here we are. Welcome, Shavananda. Thank you. We are finally at the last chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, it's amazing. I think, did we start last spring or when was it? I think so. Yeah. It's been like a year. Yeah, more than a year. Hmm. Incredible. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be a little longer episode today. We're going to go through the entire Bhagavad Gita and, of course, the chapter 18 that we are discussing today. Yes, that's right. So maybe uh, maybe you can say something about what happened in the Bhagavad Gita externally. So what, what's the scene What's the story that we are now reading? Yeah, so the the Bhagavad Gita is one chapter in the epic Mahabharata. Uh, so the, the scene has been set a little bit before, and, and we will see some of that in the beginning of the first chapter. It's a war between two parts of the same extended family, basically, over a kingdom. And uh, there are several divine personalities here. Uh, because this was at a time when gods were playing on earth and also uh, God himself, Krishna. So, of course, this is like a drama, sort of, also. So it's both for fun and also very serious at the same time, because it's kind of like a, a juncture point between divine reality and material reality. So the gods are here to play, and we are to, to learn something and, and to, to join to join that play ultimately. So at this point in the story here, the battle is about to happen. So you have two sides of the battle and we have our hero, Arjuna, is uh, is with Krishna on a chariot. And Arjuna is asking Krishna to take the chariot in between the two armies so he can see who he's about to fight with here. And it's people that he respects very much and looks up to and he does not want to kill them which of course is very uh, reasonable and, and noble so 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 the scene is that arjuna is standing there with krishna in the middle of the battlefield looking at the the army they're about to face and arjuna is very afraid uh, he's trembling and this is uh shocking to to the reader if you have read the whole story because arjuna has never backed down for, for a battle before. So, so you can see that something is different about this battle. Uh, and of course, it's very special here that Arjuna has Krishna as his, as his charioteer. And, and the Bhagavad Gita is a conversation between Krishna and Arjuna. Yeah. And of course, like, this is what is happening externally, but what the Bhagavad Gita is here to teach us, it's how to handle the fighting and the war that we're handling every day within ourselves. So Arjuna, in this case, represents ourselves and uh, Krishna represents the higher source. And all the teachings behind every chapter are helping us to understand and handle our inner war. Yes. And the Bhagavad Gita, is um, it has 18 chapters. And uh, it's divided in three main sections. We have the first six 
chapters, the second six and the last six, and the first six chapters, they are speaking about the self. So how we relate, how we, um, not should, but how we can behave like in a proper way. And of course, here and there, it's mentioned. There are mentions about Krishna, that if you don't believe in Krishna, or if you don't see Krishna as God, that doesn't matter. You can simply uh, change the name with your own God and try to understand the teaching behind behind this um, this book. So the first six chapters speaks about the self, let's say. And the second six chapters, which are the core of the Bhagavad Gita, where we will find in chapter 10 the four main verses, the Chatushloki, are the source of all selves. So in the second six chapters, we will go more deep into God, into Krishna, and we will see what roles he takes in our life, in the world, and everything around and the last six chapters they they analyzed everything spoken before so they analyzed us in relation to krishna to god and to the world and in during our life etc etc so i think we can go like through all the chapters like just briefly mentioning um, what is happening there so we have the chapter one which is the yoga of doubts. And in, um, in the first chapter, we mentioned the concepts of dharma and adharma and how it's hard to leave our attachments, our material attachments, that um, in this case rep- are represented by the parents and relatives of Arjuna who are on the other side of the, of the battlefield. So in chapter 2, Krishna starts speaking. It's called uh, the Yoga of Analysis. And it's a kind of overview of the entire Bhagavad Gita, explaining all different kinds of yoga. The main point there, I think, it's the analysis between the matter and spirit in chapter 2. So in chapter 3... The chapter 3 is called the Yoga of Action. Here we speak about Karma Yoga. Karma Yoga in a state where some is still attached to one's material personalities and work. But um, in this chapter we see how we can offer these personalities to higher purposes. Like Krishna is teaching that uh, we are part of a big of a bigger picture he instructs arjuna to make sacrifices still maintaining his identity and uh, when i say sacrifices i mean i don't mean like you have to do offer animals or <laughs> fire sacrifices but like you offer your actions and uh, in that episode, we give a lot of explana- examples about how we can give sacrifice our actions for higher purpose. Then we have chapter 4, 
the yoga of knowledge, where this knowledge, this yoga of knowledge is about letting go of your attachment. And this chapter, it's very much like related to chapter two. And um, and it, it's kind of a continuation that makes much sense when you read it in sequence of chapter two and three. Then we have chapter five, Nishkama Karma Yoga. And this is the the yoga of action, but without the ambition. Then we have chapter six, Dhyana Yoga, Yoga of Meditation. And this chapter is, um, is very well known to be studied by the yogis who study Ashtanga Yoga. And um, here we see the kind of meditation that comes after yama and niyama so it's a focused meditation and uh, complete and uh, it's uh, it explains like how to reach samadhi then we have chapter 7 where um, arjuna doesn't speak at all in this chapter and here is the yoga of knowledge and realizations and here krishna says that if you can see him everywhere, then you will be able to feel him in the time of death. And this verse, it's kind of important because then we have chapter 8 where Krishna is just going to explain what he meant by saying this last verse in chapter 7. So here we talk about the moment of death and... Um, how the sum of your emotional development it's sort of um, tested at the at the time of death then we have chapter 9 the yoga of inner treasure and we will see in the chapter that uh, the inner treasure is bhakti and here we talk about the meaning of being free of envy krishna speaks to Arjuna and says that um, he can speak with him, he can say this thing because he's free of envy. And this is uh, it's a very fundamental state of consciousness to be free of envy in order to progress spiritually. And then now we go to chapter 10 where we will find the peak of the Bhagavad Gita with the four main verses, the Chatushloki. So I give the word to you because I feel I speak uh, already too much for this episode. <laughs> so please, can you continue? Yeah, actually, actually, it's quite fair because you did now nine chapters and there is nine chapters left. So it's, oh, right. it's very fair. I didn't even think about it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So in this Chatushloki, as you mentioned, uh, is considered a the four main verses of the Bhagavad Gita, you can say that all the rest of the wisdom comes out of these four verses and they're like in the middle. So it's like the hidden gem. Now I'm not going in the in the exact order that the chapter is going, but uh, if you read the whole chapter, then you will have this kind of image that um, Krishna is giving many examples from nature, which he has also done a little bit in the, in the previous couple of chapters, but here he does it more. He points out 
prominent things in nature. So, for example, if uh, among mountains, you know, the Mount Everest is the highest mountain. So, if you take examples like that, then Krishna says, "You can see me as as that, like out of mountains, I am Mount Everest." For example, among birds, I am Garuda, which is an it's a Vishnu's carrier eagle. <laughs> of course, that's maybe not very relatable <laughs> to everyone, but some have also kind of creatively continued this explanation and given more examples that are not mentioned in the Gita itself, like out of uh, out of trees, I am I am the, or, or let's say out of <laughs> the example I heard was a little funny, like out of trees in California, I'm, I'm the redwood, for example, because yeah. they are very big and tall and live for hundreds of years so so everyone has these things that they consider the, the most prominent and you know that some things are attractive to them some aspect of god is attractive attractive to them and those who are able to appreciate that others see other aspects they are very fortunate because it means they can come together and they can sh- compare notes and they can learn more about uh, about God and not just be, be fixed at their uh, specific whatever point of view. And yeah. here they were speaking also about the way of debating in a healthy way, right? Mm. Oh yes, that's right. Um, oh yes, because Krishna said there that out out of ways to to debate, I am the kind of debate where both parties actually want to find out the truth. Yeah, because <laughs> also like if we give the example of the elephant where everyone is uh, touching a different part of the elephant and they are blind and the elephant represents God and one says, one touch the, the leg and say, oh, God is like like a trunk, it's very thick. And uh, another one touch the tail and says, oh, no, no, what are you talking about? God is thin and it has some kind of fur at the end. And the point is that they're both right. So... One thing is if they uh, kind of go against each other, say, oh, you're wrong, God is not like that. But the point is that they're both right. So if they discuss like in a healthy um, way, they have a debate, then both will, will simply nourish each other. Yes, exactly. Very well. Uh, <laughs> very well put. <laughs> so like if, like if, if people who have... A point of view about God is able to accommodate other people's point of view and see that God is the source of all those things that that all those people see. Mm-hmm. They will kind of kind of spark something together. They will kind of, of course, God is not an elephant. God is something more than an elephant too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that people come together and and share their insights about God doesn't mean that they understand everything about God because God is infinite. Mm-hmm. But when you do this, you kind of get some. You kind of get some eagerness for knowing more, mm-hmm. and and as you continue that way, God will re- reveal more to you. Also, like among the among the, these people who are, they're not just enlightening one another, but they are all as a group being enlightened yeah. by God in, in this way, and 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 will finally uh, actually have direct re- realization of God. Then in cha- in chapter eleven, that kind of comes out. Uh, God actually reveals Himself as the universal form that He is everywhere, and, and, uh, and uh, Arjuna gets to see Him in this way, and it's kind of frightening. Mm. 
because God has many forms, but this is kind of God's universal form is is maybe not as as friendly as when He comes in a as an avatar and is more kind of relatable. But it is an important step to kind of see that God is, God is actually everything. Yeah, we have this wonderful word in the title, the yoga of theophany. Yes, so, so it's like epiphany, but mm. theophany. Like, mm. like epiphany is when you have this kind of striking insight, and theophany is when God just strikes you, <laughs> uh, as he does here. So Arjuna gets to see Krishna as, as the form of time that basically devours everything, but also, of course, creates everything. But it's, but it's, it's still, it's a very, it, it's things we all know. I mean, we know that everything uh, comes and goes, but there he, he kind of got to see it directly. Mm. So then in chapter 12, it, it comes down again to kind of, kind of relatable Krishna and devotion to him. Um, so even though he's the, he's the source of everything, um, you don't always have to see him in that way as, as something fearful and... <laughs> That is going to take every, take away everything you're attached to, because if you become attached to him, then it's it's all a very uh, gentle and and for example, dying will be very gentle, because you won't be attached to the kind of superficial things. Then in chapter thirteen, which is the anal- analysis of matter and spirit and and God, we start to look at the relationship between all these things in a very systematic and analytical way. So it's kind of stepping back from all what we have seen so far and analyzing everything, which, uh, as you mentioned, it continues in these last six chapters, throughout these last six chapters. So in chapter 14, we learn about the three gunas, the three qualities of nature, how first everything is created, then it's maintained, and then it is destroyed and new things are created. So everything comes and goes in these cycles, and these qualities of nature are in everything in the material world. So also in our minds, in our intellect, uh, in our egos, in our bodies. And so it's it's very interesting. It's uh, Once you start studying this and learn these concepts, you, you will see it everywhere. Then in chapter 15, it talks about the material world as a tree turned upside down. So it means like we have to go higher if we want to find the roots. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a nice metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the idea is, is to, to then kind of climb uh, in this upside down, climb, <laughs> climb to the roots. So it's, you know, yeah. which is uh, Krishna. And in chapter 16, it's analysis again about between the kind of the spiritual mentality and the mentality that is not helpful for spiritual practice. It's kind of uh, looking at the many aspects of, of that. Chapter 17 is analysis of the three kinds of faith. So it's faith in, in these three kinds, uh, gunas, the modes of nature. And Krishna says that we are our faith. So this is a, like, like our personality in this world is depending on, on what our faith is, whatever it is. So now we have come to chapter 18. And in this chapter, it continues. It's kind of wrapping up the whole Bhagavad Gita, of course. It's the last chapter. And it, so it's kind of going to reiterate many things that has been gone through. Yeah, and it's so rich, the chapter, I think. It really like 
if you are going to study it like take time please read it through and it's uh it's very very rich yes and uh and it, it goes through so many themes like uh you know of course arjuna is scared scared about the battle so they're discussing the different kind of motivations for acting and and giving up actions and renunciation and knowledge uh, so here all, all of this is being reiterated again and talked about in in new and interesting ways and very analytical ways the three gunas are a big part of this to look at everything in relation to the, to the three gunas mm. uh, which were explained in chapter 14 what they are so it, it talks about renunciation in the three modes of nature and also the action in the three modes of nature and the interesting thing is that both action and renunciation in the mode of, uh, of goodness sattva is basically the same thing whereas renunciation and action in rajaguna and tamaguna just kind of are the opposites of each other so like renunciation in the mode of goodness is to like do do your duties but without being attached to to what the result will be you, you do it because it, it is to be done it's your duty and and whatever is the result that's that's up, that's up to god basically mm. um, but then in if we look at raj, rajasic action and renunciation rajasic action is when you're very ambitious that and you think that you are doing something big something important and that you are uh, doing a lot to accomplish that so you, so you have like a lot of kind of ego motivation that mm. that something is like your contribution kind of so then like the opposite of that rena- renunciation in, in rajaguna is when you don't do something because it is difficult to do yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they just kind of reflect one another mm. and then in in tamaguna uh, action is just very irresponsible not considering like it's different to like not be attached to what the outcome will be but in tamaguna like, as in sattvaguna but in tamaguna you, you like you, like you don't care like, like you, you don't even care what the result will be mm-hmm. it's like you're just acting without thinking of the consequences and you're just hurting yourself and others basically and the opposite of that is to just not do anything because you think that's what action is like like you don't even even think that there could be such a thing as good action you just see all the trouble that action entails it just just acting gets you into trouble so just stop acting mm. of course suicide is like the worst how you say example. yeah example of that but it could also be to just simply not act <laughs> yeah. like kind of try to not act at all which is of course impossible yeah let's go in a corner and just yeah. wait to die yeah <laughs> pretty much mm. um so we have many other interesting lists here like intellect according to the three modes of nature fortitude like steadiness in the three modes of nature happiness in the three modes of nature and it talks about the the different kinds kinds of people and, and the duties they have in society like according to your kind of personality you have something that you can contribute and um, like you can do your spiritual practice th- through doing that like through doing your your duty to to society and and gradually you will 
like realize your your spirit your spiritual nature and uh, oh and, and I, I forgot to say that um, it is important to speak about these kind of kind of du- duties we have because we have a duty according to what is our nature and so to do someone else's duty even if we do it perfectly uh, like, like won't have won't be as good for us as if we do what is actually our thing <laughs> uh, even if we do it maybe uh, with faults like like maybe I, maybe I can I can better do something that is not my nature because somehow I have mastered it maybe by pressure from my parents or <laughs> whatever so I'm good at that somehow like externally I'm good at that but it's not it's not me but then there can be things that are, that is my nature but that I still haven't like learned how to do so it's it's more difficult but it's better if I do that to do like what is not my thing even if I do it perfectly like when you uh, yeah when you're a kid and you have you know one two years you have a pacifier and it's it's okay it's nice and uh, there's nothing wrong with it but uh, if uh, at eight or nine years old again you you take the pacifier then because you know how to do it because i mean it's so cool that doesn't really sounds good you should learn to stay without that's not the age anymore this is something that you've done and it was okay when that was the time at the same like in the future like in the 30 years old you're not going to take pacifier in your mouth because you're good at it like you keep go on and learn things and challenge and uh, grow. Yes, so, thank you for this very nice insight way way of looking at it. Because I was looking at it in a more like this is my duty, this is my nature, but actually also our nature changes and develops also. Yeah. So what was the right thing to do twenty years ago may not be the right thing to do today, even if. Um, like you're the same, you know, the same person doing it. Yeah, even yesterday from today can change. Yes, so this is actually a very thing we need to kind of tune into, like what is yeah. right for us now, yeah. and um, and the Bhagavad Gita it really gives a, an entire view on how to understand this because anyway it's personal. What's good for me is not good for you, so it, it's a really deep work inner work in progress yes yeah very much so and to kind of wrap up here so, so it began with arjuna kind of dropping his bow and arrow he's he's an archer arjuna and uh, the whole bhagavad gita ends with that he he, he picks up the arrow and, and his bow again so he is he does understand he is not like stuck stuck in these old patterns like doing greatly but he used to be good at but what is not the kind of need of need of the moment now mm-hmm. so he he picks up the bow and arrow and it means that he he has come to this realization like now it's time for this wow i have to admit i really enjoyed to do this uh, series with you it's have been it has been really helpful to my own study of the Bhagavad Gita, so thank you very much for this. Thank you, and and, and also also for me, it's, it's it's so beautiful that we are doing this every Ekadashi, which is um, a day in the in the lunar calendar, 
uh, on which the, uh, the Bhagavad Gita was spoken on a day like that. Mm. So, so it's beautiful that we're kind of reminded of that every time. Yeah. And next we said we are going to, we will go through the Yoga Sutra that I think to be also awesome to do with you. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So um, what would you say that is the main teaching, the main, the main point of the Bhagavad Gita? And what is your suggestion to our audience? Yeah, so, so as we just said here, kind of in the, in the wrapping up, up of the 18th chapter, there is like not, not one point of the Bhagavad Gita, but that is the point. So mm-hmm. that the point is to see where you are and, mm-hmm. and to see where you want to go and to draw the line between the two of them and figure out how to get from one point to the other. It's a lot. <laughs> it's very much like just in one sentence. Yeah, it's a long work in progress, as I just saying. Yes, but it's it's well worth it. Yeah, and um, I think we already mentioned in some episode the Bhagavad Gita edition we were going through is the Bhagavad Gita, its feeling and philosophy from Swami Bhaktivedanta Tripurari which is our spiritual teacher and we follow his teachings. So that's it. We finished the Bhagavad Gita. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, and of course we can go through it again because really there is so much in this in this text that in the future we can do many more series on the same <laughs> on the same book and still it will be totally different episodes. Thank you. Thank you. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you like it, feel free to share it, give a review or a rating, subscribe. And if you have any question, please get in touch at aikoota.com.